0: to another episode of the Monitor Keeping Podcast. I'm Alan Stevens and I'm here with Kai. How's it going? What's up, Kai? Man, it's been a day just running around a little bit, but uh, yeah, we'll jump right into this. Uh, today, we're going to talk about incubation and all things incubation, just Incubators to what we use, what we're doing, what we've used in the past. But first off, we just want to say um, thank you again to the Morelli Python Radio Network. And guys, go ahead and go on MorelliPythonRadio.com. There are a number of different podcasts on there, all with some great information, trying to cover things in a different light. So it doesn't just sound like, you know, this one's about Carpet Pythons, which was the beginning, of course, uh, and this one's about monitors, but uh, if you've been listening or checking it out, there's also the Reptile Fight Club has a couple of episodes out right now where mm-hmm. the hosts basically go over and and talk about uh, different sides of an argument in a uh, in a podcast. And actually, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. So um, along with that, you know, there's uh, Carpets and Coffee, Field Herping Podcast, um, the Australian Peticulture Podcast, uh, Collibrid Corner. Mm. Uh, I hope I'm getting the names of these right too, Kai. I'm just, I'm just
1: off the cuff, yeah. There's, you know? a, there's a multitude of different uh, different podcasts that you can find on the NPR network. So um, yeah, yeah, including ours. So <laughs> yeah.
0: so check them out. Go on the website. Uh, they're all there along with their store and the uh, Patreon. And there's different memberships you can sign up for, right? And uh, yeah, it was so I get them all right. There's uh, also Carpet Cliff Notes. <coughs> uh <laughs> student of the serpent um humans in of herpetoculture, and uh i know there's more oh ooh. maybe maybe eric has to update the uh can i say that can i say that on the podcast he has to update the rest of them so <laughs> uh but yeah everybody that's listening uh if you like reptiles there's something to learn even if monitors is your thing believe me there's a lot to learn when you hear uh, some of these other guests come on, talk about diet, the way that uh, reptiles process food, um, the way that they, you know, just being a cold-blooded animal, different from us, um, and people that have a lot more experience with different parts of things. Some of these guys are doctors, are biologists, and have been doing it a long time. It's really interesting stuff, and it will it'll add to a more of a well-rounded um, skill set and knowledge of animals in general and what you're keeping or maybe just the environments they come from so i encourage you to go ahead and check those out so other than that uh kai what's new hey not much man uh well man just kidding
1: no like all right yeah. i got yeah, going on with my uh monitor lizards still um i'm really getting into i, I would say more of uh, full gear with some of my mangrove monitors um yeah. Yeah, as far as my highlight is uh, the last couple of weeks, um, I've had some Kimberly eggs. The Karen eggs that I have nice. are totally doing good still. Um, I'm just going to cross my fingers for those. They don't look turgid. They're, I think, like 70 days alone now, 69 days. Um, there are some that are only uh, a few weeks along, but most of them, there's like a group of six or seven that are. 70 days long um and then i have uh, my mangrove monitor stuff um the first part of that would be my Parthok mangrove project where i've taken the baby that i first hatched out and bred him back to the mom that's my current pair um i actually adore that pair a lot and they actually are breeding for me again i just got a good clutch of seven eggs Yeah, they looked all good normally i'm hatching out one or two or three, maybe, um, rarely ever getting a hundred percent hatch rate. And so that's what I'm going to shoot for this time where I'm basically getting better eggs, clutches, more confident in what I'm kind of doing, um, more strict on what I'm doing as well. And so, yeah, those are my, those are my current highlights for the last few weeks. Um, just, just this last, I think they're been in the incubator for like three or four days now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm really excited.
0: Good stuff, man. You, man. Glad to hear it. Um, you know, I'm I'm writing that. I think that in between phase, I got the uh, couple of first clutches uh, of the of the season, really. Um, and then, you know, it's when the the females they go through that process again, and they're swelling up and everything. And then, you know, you you always have a timeline in your head of how things are supposed to go, and I'm writing that where i'm second guessing everything and i'm like are they gonna let did did i see it wrong you know she's she's swollen she's is she just fat or you know is this happening and so in probably another week or two i'll have my answers but it's just that that in between um right sometimes you gotta
1: wait for those extra weeks right right for, for whatever you think is gonna play out so with most monitors um the gestation period and all that and getting to from breeding to eggs can be very fast. And some dwarf mm. monitors as fast as 12, 15, 18 days, right? Yeah. And some of these other bigger monitors are like 30 days. I mean even the dwarf monitors can go as long as 30 days as well. But you we kind of get what I'm saying from anywhere from a couple week mark to the month mark is when they're gonna lay. Um now right. this uh this leads us into our, our next topic which is the eggs. Um, and incubating right and So it'll be in a, in a relationship between the the the, the two subjects in uh, in one in one podcast um, mostly about incubators but you know obviously our resulting our resulting products are, are the eggs and what we're what we're trying to find the answers from and so um, a lot of times you'll get very subtle details and uh, we're hoping to go over those today so um With uh, with that said, now, um, I I I personally have gone through the motions as a keeper, and from when I was a kid, till now, have made quite a few different incubators. Now, Mm -hmm. when I was really young, I was you know cheap, obviously, because you don't have a ton of money, and you obviously you're not too skilled, and so what I did was I made an incubator out of a fish tank water heater inside a right inside of an ice chest right yeah and then created a moat and then with bricks and then set the eggs on top of the bricks right those are that's my 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 moat style inside of an igloo whether it's a a plastic uh ice chest cooler or a styrofoam one either Mm -hmm. one worked for me um now i obviously wasn't doing monitors then i was doing geckos and chameleons and um, things like that <clears throat> spirited dragons, corn snakes and so I would utilize those incubators now um, across the board incubators are going to kind of be the same. It's not really oh there's the best one for monitor lizards or there's the best one for this or that. Um, typically it's just a heated environment and what works the best is the how controlled everything is and so you know um, going to say I know people that are hatching, expensive thousand dollar monitors or whatever out of a regularized chest and yeah. i know people like myself and Ellen that have ones that are built and you know you spent a thousand bucks on or something like that or how much ever they cost and so you know there's uh across this podcast there's going to be your do-it-yourself type and the one that you are buying and then you're kind of modifying or just trying to learn in a sense as well um So, you know, starting off, uh, what are like bad incubators and what are good incubators? Um, I find that the smaller and tinier they are, the faster they overheat. So they can be any type. Yeah. it's smaller they are, they just overheat much faster. Um, Now, like let's say a hot box that's small, that's a much more – well, thought out incubator rather than a little, I think it's an exoterra or zoomed incubator where it's literally like 12 inches by 12 inches by like two feet tall, something like that. Um, that's a,
0: with the front opening door, that's yeah, the exoterra one, yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, that's garbage. <laughs> I've gone through a couple of those myself, I've gone through the original one and the one that they said that they did better. Um, and both basically were horrible. Um and What I mean by horrible is inconsistent in temps, and so nothing would match the actual dial. The dial on the, the unit would not match the temperatures that were inside the, the unit. So, you know, I just I just gave it to somebody else or chucked it. And you can gut it, put your own thermostat in it, and then learn how to rig it then, but even then, it's not worth it because it's very small. So you're looking at Two clutches or something like that. Um, so it's not really feasible for someone with uh, a lot of eggs or a lot of incoming eggs quite regularly, you know? Um, right. Now, a couple that are um, so-so, I would say, is like little hover or the ones yeah. with the bop heat right those yep. are were great for me where all the bearded dragons chameleons leopard geckos all that stuff like that would do great in those um i never really hatch monitors out in those so i couldn't say but i do know a gentleman that does hatch them out in them and i've uh,
0: used you know just to interrupt real quick i have used that for monitor eggs and currently using it for um uh i've used it recently for some snake eggs and right now um it's actually right there behind me if you can see it okay um, yes, i
1: see that one with uh with the uh, radiating top heat right it's got like right. water up there now that one's a yeah. pretty decent one as well um yeah i got a lot and of so i use that
0: me. yeah i use that for uh certain things at the house and usually it's it's my cooler uh cooler animal but i have used it for akis in the past and actually it's it's worked pretty good um, so I, I, but I was very diligent about checking on the uh, the humidity and where it was in the room and everything, which we'll get more into as we go. But
1: right, yeah. Uh, now, long, going for just other types of incubators that are, mm, I, I wouldn't say all that bad, right? It really now it just depends on the whole room and the atmosphere of everything, the outside mm-hmm. temperature. You know the the room temperature if you're going to run ac or not if it's in the draft if it's in front of a window if it's in a room that stays 85 degrees um as opposed to a room that's only 60 degrees you know um so there isn't you know i've seen people that let's say we're going to take Hotbox for example right it is uh-huh. one that a lot of us are using i myself are using you know um Sim container a few other people are using a lot of snake keepers are using don't get me wrong i actually really like it i i i like the product um so far i haven't hatched anything out in it but <laughs> i like what i've seen so far as part yeah. what of what i've upgraded from which was the um you know the the whole uh mini fridge and uh, that's where I'm. That's what I just currently left. So I was having basically just a mini fridge that was around, I think, 18 by 18 by 36 tall. That that roughly size, and I put it on a herb stat. Um, you know, drilled my holes, gutted it, things like that. Um, and that's what I was using for actually a couple of years. And then I just upgraded to this because the front door on that current incubator that I was using busted. So. <clears throat> It's like, all right, I'm at, I'm at the show. I might as well. I, I just fell in love with it because I needed a new one. And I didn't want to build another one. I wanted something that was just maybe more fail-proof. I don't know. Um, yeah. With, with the fan built in and all that other stuff. you know. So um, I didn't have a fan. I was just running it. And don't get me wrong. I was still hashing monitors out of it. It's just I was having hotspots and all that stuff like that. Um, now, going back to the comparison with just the one brand itself between amongst other people, it works differently where you live and where you're at. So let's say you're you're in somewhere that's really humid and or the room is really humid. um, Your fan may not affect your stuff so bad, right? And we're talking about the same incubator. But let's say where I'm at, where it's really dry. And uh, today even, maybe 15, 20, 25% humidity outside. So that sets a a tone for what's in the house as well. Basically, unless I run a humidifier, it is also dry. And um, running a fan on top of that is basically going to dry it out even more because the air will just suck out moisture naturally as it, as, as what it's going to do. It'll mm-hmm. suck the humidity in there. Um, and so, you know, going back and forth with... Just the same hot box and different keepers. Basically, people are reporting, oh, you know, I'm not having great success, or that's exactly it. They're having some failures and and some glitches here and there within either the incubating process or the hatching process. And I, like myself, I have I, I can really only use myself as as a clear example, but um, you know, within the old incubator that I was using and my current one, I'm not able to hatch out Kimberly rock monitors, and I'm trying to figure out why. So, you know, um, really just trying to figure out the, the humidity levels, the moisture levels within the container, and then what's inside the, the box. Um, I, let's say, going with my normal sim left on the grid and just the normal one-on-one ratio at the bottom, um, my eggs were drying. So what I would do is then add much more water to the bottom, um, and that's what I was incubating initially. So it'd be kind of slushy at the bottom. And I would use perlite, vermiculite, the mixture of the two. I would even use moist eco-earth and just keep mm-hmm. it salty down there. You know, it's anything that's going to retain moisture should be able to work within the sim container. Um, and so another thing that I was doing is I was also scared to use just standing water because of just how much humidity was developing within the container itself. So then I went with just enough moisture within the soil where my eggs were they were actually at the point of deflating because they were so dry. So then I found my very low point and that's where I'm understanding now, even if I'm failing and I'm messing up and sure, it's not ideal to have them go to this point, but now I know where my lows are. Right. And so this tells me, okay, it's if I'm at if I'm at, if I'm at the bottom, only way up now, only way, only other direction now is up. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be adding more moisture and just cued it in just so they are humid enough, and that's where I'm finding now my balance, sort of in a sense, if you would say, you know. Um, yeah, I don't have too many eggs go too turgid, which means basically they are now a ping pong shape, right? And they've um, become discolored almost uh clear rather than the, the typical white that's hard to see through, it's become opaque, things like that. Those are signs of being um turgid, and essentially it's just soaked up a whole bunch of water and it looks like a instead of looking like an oval egg it now looks circular and so those right. are some signs that you really don't want hopefully you'd rather have the the other normal oval shape um but some people have the balance of that and it's like just opening the little a little bit more or or letting them breathe um but some people don't and the the eggs actually just die and the babies die and drown within the egg um and so that's a that's a real tough one, and uh, <laughs> yeah, having a, having to swallow that pill after you know you've gone through all the work and stuff like that is heartbreaking. So that's why we're having this podcast because um, currently, you know, like Mike or myself or uh, other, other keepers, um, we're, we're killing babies. We're not really having hatch, and so they're breeding, laying a ton of eggs, all that stuff like that. But the very last leg of Inky Baby. It's like the eggs do very well too. You know, they go to all the distance, have, right. have all the signs and things like that. So, you know, even within the same incubator, people are having problems where at the same time, people are also having success. So you can't really knock knock one all the time. It really just depends on how people are working them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just uh, it really depends. Um
0: you know, you know I, I actually have that going on right now where I my I have a clutch of Aki eggs and they are kind of ping pong shape, you know. Uh, they still look good. Everything's going good. Um, but instead of just, I was just trying to vent them for a couple weeks, uh, a little rec- more regularly when I open the door and just lift the corner of the top. But what I ended up doing is just switching the top on the SIM container uh, that I'm using and the the additional top that i have just has holes in it basically so i know that there's constant uh ventilation and hopefully an exchange uh, or an easier exchange of gases and whatnot and uh letting that moisture out so they are they are looking um a little better and there's no signs that anything's going to go wrong right now Uh, i think i was able to get on it yeah soon enough and what stuff
1: um, we can't really find out until that
0: last leg, like the, right.
1: the, the last few days, sometimes it's like, okay, I had eggs look great on, on like day one oh five or something. And then one ten, I looked at them, they were dark. And so I cut them and they started smelling yeah. and all that stuff. And it was, they were great for all a hundred days. And then, you know, the not.
0: So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it heartbreaking. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Oh Yeah but what's uh what's also kind of interesting is um it's the first time i've had this specific issue even though i've used this same incubator and this same sim container in the past for um i mean identical eggs you could say i've used it for other clutches of akis uh and tristis um, and never had a problem with it but for whatever reason this clutch is wanting to do that so I don't know where to, re- unless I I mix the soil or the uh, substrate a little differently, which shouldn't be the case either. I'm pretty you know regular about it across the board, but yeah. you know it's just what I'm seeing. It's what's going on with this clutch. So, what, I about, as what about more humidity in the room? Remember, you said you changed that. I did. So it is a little more humid, just because we're and. It's so hard in the winter to keep humidity. It just sucks humidity right, out, so even though bad. I have a humidifier yeah. going. Yeah, but in yeah. the summer, because it's warmer, the air's you know um, trapping more humidity. So I guess that could be a problem or an issue that's leading to this. But it's um, it's hard to say or pinpoint because I also have you know a few other clutches and identical containers going right now. Uh, one was laid around the same time, and there's there's no problem whatsoever. So it's it's. I don't. It could just be this one container. The top fits a little tighter, or so
1: so weird, huh?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it. I couldn't tell you to be yeah, honest. So...
1: Inside my incubator right now, I have four or five tubs in there, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm very blessed to have, by the way. Um, they're not the same. Neither of them look the same. One is more condensated than the other, and mm-hmm. then uh, one is not at all, and then condensates on the roof, and then. Um, the bottom row uh, the, the left side as well condensates and then the other one doesn't and I actually have a towel in that a paper towel in that one currently so it should have yeah. much more going on right so I, <laughs> I have no idea man and so I'm just looking at the egg I click on the light lift up my little oh yeah what i did what i've done because i have to run the ac now and i don't want the draft to affect the the thing i've had Mm -hmm. to buy the purple styrofoam and then i just made a l around the where where the draft would hit you know and i just the front cover the front and the side wall where the air would normally hit through so um gotcha hopefully that'll hopefully i think that's helping because i'm noticing less condensation on that current wall um, oh, that's,
0: yeah that's awesome
1: the wall. so I think that's I think it's doing what it's supposed to be doing um, you know uh, now get like man as far as the whole it's it's it's, it's crazy it's just no there is like people are, are hoping for like something so cut and paste right or so something mm-hmm. to black, white. but no it's many so many gray areas or more so just uh, different details and and that'll just really affect your whole thing and so you kind of want to be able to go through you have to go through a whole lot Now it's not just um the incubator then and you know we we talked about air temperature outside the room within the outside and you know all that stuff like that with the ac is on if the heater's on if the room's this temperature at like 85 or if the room's a lot colder you know but now we're also talking about pressure and gas you yeah. know one well, now this i don't understand too well uh, only because I've just i haven't studied it enough yet and I don't understand just how the process works but I do know just what I know from facts is like what I'm seeing right and and when it's a colder night and it's or when I'm incubating in winter time my containers are are condensating much more and that's because the incubator is warm but the room is cold and uh-huh. so what's happening is the uh, I'm not sure if you, you want to help explain this part, but the condensation is from just all the pressure buildup, right? And yep. the, the heat buildup as well. And so yep. working against it, and it's doing this much like you would um, have a hot cup of tea and you would put saran wrap over it. And basically that that heat is bubbling with inside there. And then it's creating that condensation on top of that saran wrap in there. You know, it's it's an example of what the heat and all that pressure does when it's trapped in a little container.
0: You know? Right. I would say for, for a lot of people, it'd be as easy, the very unscientific way, because uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Kai. I don't understand a lot of it or all the fr- fancy terms, but I think we can all understand that uh, if it's cold outside and you get into your car and before you start it up, if you just sit in your car for a little bit, you're getting condensation all over your windows are fogging up, um, you know, and then you turn on that defroster that's hitting the the windshield basically and um, drying out that condensation or not allowing that condensation to form on there. So in a sense, if you use that as kind of the idea, um, there's something warmer – or eggs do give off heat, okay? It's warmer Um, in the
1: car than it is outside, right? right. Warmer in the vader than it is outside, right?
0: And you're causing that moisture then to collect on the – you could say the container you have them in, which is like the car – And uh, then, you know, you're 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 having to deal with um, that issue inside of that container itself and how it's going to affect the eggs. Okay, so um, that can represent itself in different ways. And sometimes it causes problems for people. Um, For me, if I see a moderate amount of condensation, um, it doesn't bother me too much just because I'm used to seeing a certain amount in my containers.
1: A little bit. Right right normally used to seeing the front a little bit and one of the sides but right they're all condensated or the whole roof is wet i'll wipe it down um Mm -hmm. give it a little i try not to be so invasive and just keep the thing open for too long it's a quick lift wipe shut um Mm -hmm. maybe a quick picture but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you want to keep it swift keep it swift
0: right um so that's kind of what we're trying to get across, just so people can get it, that picture in their head uh, without all the scientific terms is uh, kind of a, a simple explanation. Um, <clears throat> you know, I I don't know if I should go back a little bit. So I've used, um, as far as incubators, I've used the one I mentioned, the Zoomed incubator, without any issues. Uh, I've used a product that's very much like the, uh, the Hotbox um and I've used now I'm using some um custom built incubators um and actually a friend is still using that that hot box one he knew he was in a pinch and needed something so that went to him um he did some different modifications on it and uh, just just so I reiterate it's not a it's not a hot box it's like it's a hot box yeah right so um
1: and there's quite kind of a few just, across Across the states now so
0: right right so um it's it's still in use and for the most part you know for all these different um incubators that i've had i've had some decent success with um but i think it it you have to pay attention to not only the container itself that you have incubating But then you also have to pay attention within that container. Sometimes one side of the container is a little different than the other. And eggs, like I've had eggs start to dent on one side of the container um, as opposed to the other side of the container. And so, yeah, how I fix that is placing a a damp paper towel over the eggs that are starting to dent, you know. And it kind of gives it that extra buffer. Um, And some other ideas we've talked about in the past, but to talk about here is to also – I realized that there was more heat on the back side of the actual incubator even though there were fans moving to push that heat around that uh uh clear front wet,
1: yeah right? yeah the back is right. just warmer
0: and the clear front usually like an acrylic that we all that we want to look through it's cooler it's it's closer to the room temperature than the heat that's being put out by the actual heating element on the back so there can be a, a variance or gradient going on there of both temperature and humidity. So, you know, ideas that we've had to do um, is just throw a towel over the front of the the incubator. Yeah. It helps right. trap that heat in. It acts as kind of another wall, and it traps that air a little bit, that air space in between there, which stays a little bit warmer than the rest of the room. And so sometimes they're not big modifications. I've, we've both been in that panic state where it's like. Mm-hmm eggs are going bad. Ah, what do we do? do do? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, um, I think, no, truthfully, we still freak out if start stuff starts going bad, but yeah, we've had a a little, um, time to have some different things pop up where it's like, okay, I'm freaking out, but I've seen it before a little bit. So now I know kind of what to do, some different things to try. Um, but you know, for those new, new breeders out there uh, maybe your monitor is dropping eggs for the first time and you're freaking out just just take a breath the is, <laughs> take the ten truth is, yeah the truth is you might mess it up okay right it, and that's it okay, might yeah you know? i mean it, it does suck but it's like the
1: learning experience that you you want you know um, right you find answers or you pick people's brain like me and alan's and you know you essentially um maybe come up with some conclusion on what happened um right that's, you know it's as best as we can you know um, yeah. a lot of, a lot of signs are tall tall tale signs where they're quite regularly in occurrence and so we can all relate and it's very much the same situation but there are you know if someone is uh, holding with withholding some information on truths or or you know exact temperatures that they don't understand or know about um, and or not paying attention to some stuff that, and that, that that they can't attribute to what is currently going on. Like, you know, it's not that you're not paying attention. It's just, you don't know yet. And so, mm-hmm. well, you really can't be putting it all together. Like for example, I, I wasn't understanding how, man, um, you know, they told me to vent my eggs, but I was doing it too much. So now I'm drying them out and, you know, yeah. it's like, all right, I messed up. And I had to learn that for myself, even if it was a recommendation for somebody else. It wasn't for me. And so Mm -hmm. I no longer do that so much, maybe a little peep, but I no longer take out like I, I no longer even wipe the sides. I just wipe the lid. I still need the condensation on the side because if I what happens is it's that that pressure and humidity is. Is as, you know, we're talking about it, condensating the walls and the roof of the sim container or the egg container that you're using the, whatever it is, right. Um, it's sucking it out of the, where it is and that's in mm-hmm. the bottle. And so I'm lo- essentially losing moisture throughout the period if I'm just always wiping it down and wiping it down. And so I only wipe down the lid just a little bit, Not, nothing crazy anymore. I still that condensation form and all that stuff like that, just because that's still natural. Um, you know, I don't want to I, be taking out too much water.
0: I think a lot of it is, yeah, just um, unfortunately, you know, I, I do think we're incubating monitor eggs for a longer time than other eggs. Um, that are in my own months. Right. You know. In my own limited experience, um snake eggs are easier to hatch. Now that's only been with uh some colubrids and um carpet pythons, but they were much easier to hatch than um
1: but they were they much
0: shorter to hatch? Yeah. It was kind of like set them and, and forget them to a certain point, you know. Right. I did have a couple eggs go bad on me, but it was like one or two out of a large clutch. Yeah. Um so I I was thinking those are more the outliers than the you know what what was really going on. Most of the eggs were good, were good. Um, but with monitor eggs, yeah, um, you might you might mess up that first one. Okay, but People realize
1: seasons.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Realize you have a a monitor. You know you have a female. If it's if it's fertile and you had two in there, and there's a you know a good number of them that looked good. You had a male or you saw them lock up, you know, the sexes of your animals. These are all good things. And if your female is eating and recovering, she might look skinny, a little dehydrated. But if she's eating and recovering, guess what? You're probably going to have a number of other chances to mess around and get it right. So remember what didn't work and address it. Ask some questions and address it for the next time because you're probably you're doing something right if you got her that far. Okay, so. um don't give up hope and uh, realize that, yeah, you might mess up the first one or All two. Right. It happened.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, wow. So, okay, for, for you know, back back, back to the beginning, I don't want to get too far into crazy details. Yes, you just right. yeah, on more stuff, right? But I want it to kind of flow for people, especially the beginners that are going to want to breed. Now, Um. Your your incubator, you know, I'm not just gonna say this is that this is important, but you need to run your incubator for several months or maybe even quite some time before you even put your eggs in. Um, this is just good common practice. You Mm -hmm. get an idea on what your temperatures are, run it, you know, day and night, have it on, there's no eggs in there. Run it with containers inside, with the humidity in there, with the moisture there, with your cup of water in there if you have a fan, um, things like that. If you you know, if you have it in a draft area, maybe think about moving it. If you have it in a doorway window area, think about moving that area. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. Uh, what I had to do for mine is I just put styrofoam in the, in, on, on one of the walls that, that kind of gets a draft. And so hopefully that'll help out a little bit. You know, but you get, get an idea of what your thing is like and adjust with it, right? Build your incubator. Now, this is where we get into just modifying your own little mini fridge or whatever you feel like, right? you're you're basically having some type of reservoir for for water or or that'll create humidity or some type of heat and, and humidity okay now the i used example earlier of a water fish tank water heater inside water at the base of a of an igloo that's a ice chest right and set a mode in there um but you know now this your Now let's get into something a little bit more, I guess, more modern or more, you know, kind of newer style because a lot of people are still building their own incubators right now. And that's the that's still the regular recurrent usage. Not everybody is actually going and spending a lot of money on an incubator. You know, people are getting a regular mini fridge from Craigslist Marketplace off the side of the road, some free, free market, whatever. It's just a busted old mini fridge that's not working anymore, some wine cooler, right? And uh, what you're going to do is gut it. You know, take everything out of it. Um, if you can remove any extra inside stuff, take out any um, anything that was is gonna utilize more room than it needs to, basically you're gutting it. And so and then you get down to the drainage hole. Every refrigerator, or wine cooler should basically come equipped with one. And you're, you're gonna use your drainage hole as where you're gonna run your cords through. Now, obviously, it's not going just gonna fit through the current drainage hole. So you're going to have to get a screwdriver or uh, an actual drill with a um, some type of hole maker that can basically penetrate pe- penetrate through hard plastic or metal because that's what yeah. the typical inside is. And then you make a hole where that pilot hole already is for the drainage thing. So there's already a hole there. It's basically going to be an easy press through and you'll have your, your inch size diameter hole for you to run your, your cords through. And your cord, your probe, your fan things, or whatever, all that was going to run basically through there. But that hole, leave it open. That'll be your pressure exchange release hole. Okay. You can make another one, but that is where some air exchange is going to ex- happen there. And it's not going to be exchanging and releasing too fast, but. Mm-hmm. It- it allows some pressure to be to be released easier as you're opening and closing it. So, example for my current hot box at the very top where I run the probe through, it's a little hole, roughly about half an inch or maybe three fourths of an inch, for cords to run through and basically air flow exchange to run through as well. So that is all the it's all working together. Whether it's uh, your 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 cord running through. And also airflow running through. Okay, now I use just the Zoomed heat pad. You can use Flex Watt tape. You can use uh, reptile cable wire. Um, that's the what is that? That the, the heated rope, heated right? Cable. yeah. Heat cable, right? And um, you can basically sneak it all along the back and the bottom and the sides of the walls. Hook that. Hook any of those heating elements up to a thermostat um we're using a pulse thermostat or the mm-hmm. right and so and what's the other one the other you um, have
0: the, what is, <laughs> yeah, the we're, not really, we're not using you have your on off you have your pulse um and the other one's like a dimming type of yeah so um uh, I'm using
1: the pulse one i i, I the the words yeah. Really skip my mind, but I, I really wish I had them. But yeah, there's a couple of different types of incubator. I'm sorry, the thermostats, and we're using the pulse one. And so, um, I have currently a Herpstat on mine. I use Herpstat Pro. Um, the the just the intro is good enough. It's um, for me. It, it's great. It gives me a warning when things are are off or overheating. It shuts off stuff like that. It, it's very efficient. Um, I, I I like it now. It's two thousand and twenty one. There are very many more thermostats out there than we that we know exist. Yep. Um just so many people are developing on their own. Um it's connected to an app, to your phone, to a tablet, to whatever, but basically it's connected to your Wi-Fi, hooked up, all that, things like that. And those are all within a touch of a button on your phone, and things are controlled or things are monitored in a sense, you know. Um, but you are also at the mercy of the internet and wi-fi so <laughs> you want to yep. make sure that that's always good and running um for me i, I don't have mine hooked up to that it's just it, the unit is hooked up itself getting yourself a decent thermostat from uh what is it vivarium electronics or mm-hmm. um I, I that pro or helix or something like that those are all very good working ones when i first started i used to use the 30 dollars jump start off of amazon <laughs> um, and that worked until yep. I needed to be more precise. And so those temperatures, what would happen would be, it'd be incubating between eighty-one and eighty-four, rather than being more stable with the Herbstat So, yeah, yep. I am now still with the Herbstat it fluctuates one major degree, right? But not not four or five. So um, what's working better now for me is the more controlled unit. Uh, and really that's your whole shell and makeup of your incubator. It's the actual shell itself and then you know your whole on your cords through and then your thermostat, your heating element, and um and then you know, if you have a fan, some people hook up a fan. Um I didn't at first, but now I do have one in the hot box that comes with it. Um that fan is to help with hot spots. We'll have top of the incubator, back of the incubator, maybe different temperatures than the bottom and the front. Um, So the fan is basically there to circulate the air a bit and keep all the temperatures roughly the same. But I still find a couple hot spots with the uh, in in the back of the enclosure, in the back of the incubator. That's just because the heating elements there. It's just obviously going to be a lot hotter. Um, And so, yeah, you know what, shell.
0: While we're uh, talking real quick about those uh, incubators, I have herp stats on my, my main incubators I'm using now. Um, <clears throat> but because of some bad experiences along the way, not the current setup that I'm using, but some other ones, um, I had an incubator kind of nuke some eggs of mine. And um that's certain that was i was using uh, one of those exoterra thermostats on this one okay don't use those for for incubators don't use those don't use those it's nothing against exoterra they weren't made for incubators don't use them <laughs> um yeah. so that being said um now with the herp stats i still have those connected uh, as a failsafe. To the herpsat itself is plugged into an on off thermostat that's set at 90 degrees. If it gets higher than 90 degrees, because the Herbstat has a memory in it, um, so it, it's gonna revert to the temperature I had it set at. Um, the on off, I mean, it's a simple $35 on off. If it reaches to, if it gets too high, it shuts everything off. All right. And I've never had to, it, to my knowledge, it's never had to shut off, but it's there just in case because the worst feeling in the world is walking in and seeing that readout be 113 degrees and all your hopes and dreams are basically shriveling <laughs> yeah. away. So, yeah, man. I handed you those <laughs> hopes and dreams. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, yeah. you did. That's how I treated them. Hmm. Man, um, no, of course, there was the, no intention there, but... Um, crazy
1: learning experience, though. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's just eye-opening and that's heartbreaking at the same time. And really you know, you don't, I don't want you guys to be discouraged, but um like the saying goes fail, fail better. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you're, well, I, for many, many years, I've not only, you know, tried practice, but I'm really failing even now. Like, you know, people, a lot, a lot of people look up to me for what I'm currently doing in the monitor game or stuff like that. But uh, like most people want me to be their teacher and their guide but really i'm a student myself still just trying to learn as much as i can um Mm -hmm. with with what i'm with 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 what i'm faced with you know and i have a bunch of eggs that might be not doing so great now hatching out mangroves not so much of a problem for me the bigger eggs seem to do really well within the whole sim container and the other incubating containers that i've used i've only really used them for monitors but i've used Tupperwares and um, shoe boxes that breathe a little bit, and all that other stuff for many reptiles. So, um, all of those containers really work. Now, getting into our favored, and a lot of people in the whole community actually love these containers. You know, the Sim container is still, I believe, one of the best made ones, and more mm-hmm. also takes the takes the math work out of some stuff. Um, the suspended in- incubating seems to be helping out a lot of uh, a lot of animals that may have been having a hard time to hatch before, you know, it's really a, really a good product. And uh, you know, John and Alex do a great job of really having people understand what what it is and things like that, you know, and uh, hopefully we can reiterate what they're talking about with using the SIM, you know, it really is different for many different species of animals across the board from snakes and, tortoises and things like that, to monitor eggs, um, they're all incubated a little bit differently. You yeah. know, um, I don't use, uh, when I was incubating like bearded dragon eggs and stuff like that in Sims, and I had corn eggs in Sims, uh, when I was when I first got them, even before I was doing monitors like that, um, just other stuff, I didn't really have air holes or anything like that. I just popped one little thing in the lid, one very tiny hole, because this was my, my spiel the whole time. Actually, growing up doing chameleon eggs for that incubator for six, seven, nine months um, and other eggs that were just a couple more months, um, I would use typical Tupperware containers and poke only one hole in the lid. You know, and that was it. That's all the air exchange that it had. And I would open it once every few days or something like that and take a peep at it. But really, that was it, you know. Um mm-hmm. And my ratios would be old school, just one on one, or more so of I pour water in, and then squeeze out all the extra water. Yeah, that's 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 what I was doing before. Um, you know, but now, now we're now we're doing a little things a little bit differently with the Sims. And um, don't get me wrong, I, I actually really really like them. All my current containers are are Sims now you know, but I have them used a few different ways. Um, I'm basically using them as a container because I really like the usage of the container. But at the same time, um, some are on the grid, some are on um, turfis, which is that uh, ripashi hatch stone stuff. I have some eggs on that. And, you know, I have other eggs on top of a grid that are above um, just moist perlite, you know. So I'm kind of using a few different things. If the sim container seems to be the problem, possibly, I may have to change and go either back to the Tupperware type of container or the shoebox container. Um, just because I just want to see what other results I can get. You know, Obviously, I'm using only sims right now. Um, not to say that that's the issue at all. I, I, don't, I don't think so because I'm hatching current eggs within the sim myself. It's something else and so i have to try to figure all that out even within the sim using the sim container itself but eventually you know i want to get some smaller shoe boxes and and use those as well use a one to one ratio within the shoe box see how that see how that works pay attention to the moisture levels and and or more so of uh like the shoe box when you pop it on there's the seam that doesn't really close a hundred percent right It leaves a little bit of air exchange and so you just really pop it on. you don't even have to make holes within that lid because it's um it's there you know mm-hmm. the, the vents are sort of already there within the creases but um, let's say you use something that's snapshot airtight you may want to use pop not even pop a couple holes but you're gonna have to melt a couple holes into that lid and um, get you some possible air exchange Um, you may not leave those air holes open but what it is is it makes them available so you can tape it and and adjust it accordingly you know Um, that's what i think both alan and i do i have four holes five holes and i cover most of them leaving some air exchange maybe when i need to i'll unleash and undo four of them you know Mm -hmm. something like that right
0: i have those ready set up to go they're basically on top of the incubator i have the i start off with your standard top and then i have uh, an additional set of tops that already have the holes melted in um and then a roll of electrical tape on standby right there too and it's just what i've got together and they're all right on top of the incubator so i can plug and play as i see clutches developing and maybe what they need and adjust accordingly to that
1: so so what are you using right now bro on on different mediums i think i mentioned like three or four that i'm currently using uh, by the way those was vermiculite
0: moist damp eco earth and Turfus, which is the little red pebbles from Repostia. right uh right now i'm, I'm using the the Turfus, the Turfus for the most part uh, across Just the slowly, board solely right because you found good success with those um, i have yeah yeah my, my thinking behind it was basically along the lines of i'm going to get used to Uh, known products. So sim containers, Turfus, And I like the Turfus specifically because you can actually sterilize it. You can boil it and reuse it. Um, So it's a little more cost effective. Um, But I also, I I get to know those products and how they work together. And that's, that's how I approached incubating um, in these new incubators and with more species and more animals in general was okay. There might be a period of messing everything up but I'm going to stick with these known products so that I can, instead of trying to say like, well, I had problems. So throw the turfus out, grab perlite, And then, Oh, I have another problem. Throw the SIM container out, grab another container. Instead of doing all that, I thought it was simpler for, for me to use two products, stick to it and just get the ratio of maybe water. Right. Um, and then, like we've talked about already, venting the the sim containers the correct way in my specific setup, and so that's how I approached it. Fortunately, I've had very good luck. Uh, the incubators that I I got um, that's another story, but basically, they were used for years and years and years to hatch out a lot of um, a lot of python eggs, and so they had a very good track record. Um, so using all these notes, so I know I had an incubator that worked. Um, I wanted to stick with the sim containers. Obviously, they're, they're well used um, or they're well known in the monitor community. And then just picking a product. I mean, I could have done it just over water, uh, but I wanted to try it with a um, medium. And one of the reasons also was because if things were too wet, I wanted to be able to lift up the tray that's in there, put it into another sim container um, that was a little bit drier of the same material um, or if I needed to actually put a layer of dry stuff on top of the existing turfus just to play around with and see if it it worked or just to have the ability to adjust with these different um, ideas fortunately whether it's been really wet turfus or um what I normally use the normal like uh oops dropping stuff over here okay um what I um have been using i've had good luck so far other than i'd say you know what's going on right now with the little ping pong ball aki clutch but those are <laughs> those are even and out too um and yeah it's it's just what's worked for me now that being said in the exact same incubator i've also um used their i guess the best way i could describe it is for all those, those food preppers out there you probably know these containers they're clear containers where you can snap down the sides. Um, and then there you have very small pinholes, one on one corner, one on the opposite corner. And um, those were just, I mean, man, I would say maybe a quarter of an inch of Paralite in this stuff across the bottom. Um, they seem like they were just slightly moist uh, Paralite and the eggs were just placed on top in there. And all of those hatched out – I mean, I think that was um, – I think it was seven seven clutches of ackee eggs, you know, different clutches, and they, they all hatched out fine. So um, as long as the eggs look good, they hatched out fine. Um, if they were bad eggs to begin with or questionable, maybe some of those didn't go, but I don't think that had anything to do with the, the – uh, Container or paralyte or Turfus or whatever. I just think those were bad eggs from the start. Um, <clears throat> so I've had a lot of success uh, just with both. Uh, so I think both work, but um, I've since um, retired those containers. They're on standby if I need them. Um, but they actually, actually they're in gargoyle gecko um, <laughs> setups now, or they're, they're what I'm using for the gargoyle gecko eggs but as far as the monitors um they're just in the sim containers and i'm just going to use those and figure out how they work for me and just continuation of uh you know like you like you pointed out kai um i'm going to add this to the basically the bank of knowledge as far as yeah the season's changed and it is more humid i've added a humidifier to the room that now that the season's different and it's a little warmer in there um, maybe there is an excess of moisture to some degree. Now, I don't see it in the rest of the eggs that are in there, but um, it could just be that that container itself. Maybe the top, like we, I said, fits a little tighter. Maybe I'll mark it with a Sharpie or something, just so I know that that one, you know, right on it, um, vent or needs ventilation. So, um, you know, just making these little adjustments just for me. I, I wish I could tell the listeners out there, here's what you need. And it's going to work perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's that's not the case. But I will say this: you can pick shoe boxes. There's plenty of guys that have done stuff in shoe boxes. Um, there's plenty of guys that have used other types of containers. But there's a lot of experience out there with the Sims. Also, uh, Alex and John being monitor guys, um, you know, they can help you. They can respond to something. Um, and there's a lot of other people that use it just across the reptile community with a lot of success. So. There's there's a good amount of knowledge that is accessible to you because they're a known product and uh, it's you know you could ask a question or say my my eggs are doing this and someone might have the answer you're looking for right, or has dealt with the same problem. Um, yeah, so it definitely has that. Bonus. Quite a
1: few, quite a few guys actually. Um, a lot of a lot of the guys that are, uh, I mean, I myself uh, just a year ago or even six seven months ago. I was having these issues and trying to really figure them out. And I'm still trying to figure them out now. I'm just waiting for the results now. Mm -hmm. And so I'll see how my eggs turn out. Um, You know, now, I guess getting into, you know, some more part of this conversation, um, because we've, like you said, basically a lot of it overlaps, you know, with eggs and the whole containers and the incubator, it all works out. Now, um, I personally use temperatures – of 84, 84, 85-ish. I don't really go anything above that. I first started off at 81, too. It's just natural to me because I'm a – I used to hatch a lot of chameleon eggs out first, and I would start them off a lot lower just because the eggs themselves incubate for typically like nine months or a lot longer. And so they'll they'll go through many seasons rather than just staying at one temperature. So -hmm. I started off at 79, 80. Um, my monitor eggs were 81 is where I started off. And then I gradually increased until 84 going towards the last leg. Um, and still that was, uh, I don't know, like 190 days, something like that. And then, uh, another egg was 210 days. <laughs> so um, yeah. I never, I didn't change it any higher. I just kind of left it the same now at 84, not really gradual, gradually going up or anything like that. Um, but, my eggs are hatching out roughly around 170, 180, give or take, you know, for mangrove eggs. But uh, the Kimberleys are um, – I haven't really had too much success. So <laughs> around 100-something days, you know, is where, or is where the ones that I was able to work, would work out um, and, and keep alive for some time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, it's a <sighs> – its it's a <laughs> – It's I don't know, man. It's nail biting, you know. Right now Mm -hmm. I'm at a stage where, like I said, I was just uh, six months ago failing. Now having more eggs, going through the motions again. Um, I sort of had bad eggs. Just this last clutch that was supposed to hatch, um, a deformed baby and another baby that basically died in the egg. But it was really small compared to what they should be. And so I kind of just took that as all right. These were bad eggs to begin with. Let's just. Let's just not really count those, right? I mean, they are counted, but they're not really counted because they may have been just bad to begin with. So I'm now working with some other eggs that are a little bit better and going from there. Um, but, yeah, you know, just uh, just really trying to figure things out, man. Uh, it's 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 a hard one, you know, just because you, you're you not going to get the answer. Even if someone told you that that was the, the problem, right? And, you know, maybe, maybe someone can pinpoint it for you. You're not really going to know until you get your results, and that's either dead or alive. That's mm-hmm. simple. It's simple as
0: that. Yep. And you know, um, there's something else. Maybe we'll, we'll come back to, but I'll I'll um, drop it right now for people. Um, you're going to have more problems with. I mean, visually, if you can look at your eggs and see that they look a little iffy, maybe they look a little weak you're going to have some more issues. Okay. You're going to have to develop some more tricks up your sleeve. Um, but the truth is ultimately you might be hatching a weaker baby, you know, or something that might be wrong from the start. Okay. Uh, this is all part of it too. Uh, you'll have to take that into account. Maybe sometimes the amount of work you'll put into hatching that weak egg, maybe might not be worth it. Now I'll let you guys make that decision when you get there. Um, But when you get those glowing eggs, when you dig them up and, you know, they just come out perfect because the dirt doesn't stick to them. You know, they're that nice, smooth, white shell. And you just know it. Okay, especially if you see uh, infertiles and fertile side by side uh, where your animal nested. There's there's not even uh, a chance to mistake it, even though most of us incubate them all anyway, just till we we, We're sickos. I think we're a little twisted in the mind. We we got to see them turn brown and smell a little bit before we're going to give up hope and, and throw them out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> what are some more bad signs? Um, all right. So indenting from the bottom. Bad. Yes. Yes. Um, sweating too much, especially too early on in, not like at the last leg. Okay, I can see that. Right. It's releasing its... Uh, the moisture from within the egg that it's stored and the, the texture of the shell also changes. It, 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 uh, it starts at a kind of firm ping pongish, but then it becomes leathery when they're ready to hatch. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, the, there's, there's a change in things. So you don't want to miss, mis, misinterpret that as bad always, but you right. know, your eggs are going to go from smaller to bigger, and then they're going to decrease again, sort of, and then hatch. Okay. Right. Um, now, some more bad signs are obviously smell, it's basically dead. Try not to mess with it too much, but, you know, your quick lift, angle your light through from the bottom diagonally so you can kind of go through the whole egg or, you know, run it, run it, you move, move it along the egg, the light, and see if, you know, your veins are all there. You know, try mm-hmm. to be quick and swift, put it back, but, you know, if it's all black and you don't see anything, no red veins, stuff like that, and it's starting to smell, probably dying or dead um right. you know what are some other bad signs now okay well, you
0: know uh, sorry. I'll, I'll jump in there too uh my my clutch of sand monitor eggs it started off as 10 great looking eggs couldn't tell the difference between any one of them not that anything looked different they were all great dirt didn't stick to them but when i put them in and started incubating them i think they took like four weeks to even show any signs of veins in their. Brain. yeah
1: that's, that's very typical. That's actually decent. So um, <clears throat> I've had eggs take as long as two months to develop eggs. Oof, I mean, days, right. And so I'm just like, all right, I'm going to leave you there. And then all of a sudden there's
0: some, you know, some life later, but
1: sometimes, right. sometimes
0: it's a little while. Um, it took another month in my situation where four of those eggs, the, they never developed veins. The lights never came on. And then right. about another four weeks, they still look good until, like Kai said, they started to dent on the bottom. And then uh, over another couple of days, you start to get that light, like crusting of mold that light right, layer yeah. mold start to grow. And then, you yes. know, they're bad. But I had no clue from the beginning. They look what good you want to do it. is you want to there
1: since we don't always know what's going on inside. Right. It's a guess at best, unless they're really bad or, you know, hard, black and moldy. And even sometimes the moldy eggs still hatch. that mm-hmm. really ugly egg still hatches. So yep, uh, those can be misread as well. What he mentioned earlier when you don't always see veins or an embryo ring at the very top of the egg, it doesn't always mean that it's not fertile or it's a bad egg and you're gonna talk right. it. okay? Um, now not just the fact of parthenogenesis, but just the fact that it it also will take some time for those to develop a little bit, right? Um, now some you know those signs where it's moldy, it can be springing all kinds of mold and it'll still hatch. It'll look right. all shriveled and black. And it'll probably still hatch, but once there's that smell, now there's that smell, and then there's a sweaty slime that covers it. <laughs> yeah. That is the key thing where it's bad. Okay, yep. it's a sweaty slime. It's not. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know how to describe it other than that. It's. It's kind of nasty when you pick it up. It's. It'll. It'll be stuck on your fingers, and the egg itself. You can probably stick your finger to it because that's what. Yeah. it is. Yeah, and it's not too pretty. Um,
0: it's like smelly egg yolk. Yeah, smelly yeah. yellow, yellowish <clears throat> um, egg yolk that is now on the outside.
1: Um, now, going from egg looks and what's what's good is bad, and what's not so good is bad as well. I mean, what's what's bad and um, what may look bad but not okay. Um, egg oocytes or these dimples or craters and or. Mm-hmm bumps on the eggs there's a couple of different types now there's like a um more like a a hivey bump where it, it looks like the egg is having a bunch of little hives on it okay now those uh, i'm not exactly sure what causes that it could be from them them keeping the egg too long or not enough calcium okay and, and so any of those disruption disruptive looks on the egg shell is either eggs held in too long or not calcified enough and some of those eggs though i've had still hatch okay mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean that it's detrimental and they're all just going to die and you're just going to throw the eggs away don't do that either okay still put them in the cooker they're going to be worldwide and stuff like that and if they turn and mold and shrivel up and turn black and go ahead you know cut them open toss them but i still had eggs hatched from that and then i have a friend right now who's got some tree monitor eggs that have the same thing and we thought they were bad until now they're getting close to the hatch so you know um i don't want you to look at some of these possible norms that people are seeing as infertile or what people are taking as infertile and assuming that that's what's that's, that's what's happening to your eggs you know there's just much more to, to this science than there is and so than we know about you know and um, so I, we, um
0: I got to touch on that real quick. The the three peacock monitor eggs I have right now, and including the original 13 I had, um, they all had sites on them or some type of little, little crater on them. Um, but uh, you know what, uh, when we, I'll send you some pictures and get your thoughts on them because they kind of look almost uniform to me. So I, I don't know what to make of it yet, but they do have veins. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how
1: it goes. All right now, oh, man. Um,
0: Sorry, I threw you
1: off. <laughs> oh yeah, um, man, you messed me up, man. Oh,
0: <laughs> you're on the roll, <laughs> yeah, okay. um,
1: but you were talking about
0: just oh, because of the,
1: so yeah. I, I had all those all those egg looks, right, or egg symptoms, basically. You know, I, I messaged Biawak, which is. Um, Almost like a infinite portal for for information for monitor lizards, both within the hobby, the zoo type stuff, and in the wild, you get all likes of monitor, monitor the monitor world, you know. And so I would ask a lot of the experts there, because people from all over the world hang out on Beowulf, and I would literally ask them, hey, you know what's uh, what's up with these eggs? You know, they look they, they don't look too great. I want them to look pearly white like everybody else's. What's wrong? <laughs> so a gentleman was telling me, "Hey, this is the liquid calcium I use. And try this, or or use more calcium than what I was using." And I've mentioned this much uh, quite often because you know I want people to understand how much calcium my mom, my mangroves and other monitors take to make eggs. But I don't just dust twice a week and three times a week, or that's what is recommended for most reptiles is just a couple times a week, right? Um, I dust daily, if anything, 90-95% of meals. And I dust often. Not not heavy coated and but just enough regularly daily. And um now my eggs are curly white and smooth. And um that's another goal achieved. And I, I felt like I felt like what I was was doing was underestimating them. And mm-hmm. also going by what people were telling me and it was hindering my monitors really and so picture if i were to not do something different and change right basically adopt something though that someone recommended me which i thought was going to be detrimental to the lizards itself right people always say oh it's over calcifying oh you're using too much calcium you know what what about over calcifying i mean dude i'm not having that problem at all right Um, and so if i were to stick with that oh i'm just going to do it twice a week my animal would probably be suffering right now because I would still try to breed her still with the same focus and still with the same game plan rather than changing it and, or doing something different than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know um, that's where I, I hope a lot of you come to think where even myself, man, don't just take my word for it. Test that, you know, right? Um, put it to use, see if it works for you. Um, because again, there's many things that are, it come to play when you know you're you're coming to a conclusion for the type of answer you want and stuff like that. You know, temperatures from the outside, the room using AC, just the, your 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 natural weather, all that stuff like that. You
0: know, so right
1: um, plays a big part.
0: You know, and and for the people out there, don't be afraid to try things especially when it, when it's your animal and you see something going on um, whether it's with your egg clutches or with the actual animal, something to change in your setup um, make those changes try it out you know uh, share with me and Kai we'd love to listen to we understand there's people out there that are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. There's um, people that don't even really pay attention to the internet, and they've been hatching animals all along. And we probably don't even, you know, there's a few out there I know of, but there's, there's um, probably more of them that we don't even know what they're doing. They don't really yeah. share. They just been doing it this way and, for a while. And, and, and I,
1: you know, I think uh, a lot of, okay. No, I don't want to be disrespectful because that's not what we're trying to do at all.
0: Here but we go, Kai. Here we go. Let's do it. It's <laughs> not, no, it's
1: not what we're trying to do at all. Because, uh, uh, man, take what the internet tells you. Sometimes, as a grain of salt, you know. Yeah. Just you, you don't want to just take yep. it all word for word and and just uh, think that it's going to apply to everything within monitor lizards. Um, there's always going to be, again, that that wrench in the road, or or more so, of just something that's going to be. Um, different you know now let's Mm -hmm. say taking for example some people are reading off the internet like off google or something like that and then taking it and applying it to this where some of those it's not even going to really apply to captivity you know and so you want to like for example some lady was comparing um the size of an adult monitor adult water monitor to an adult nile and really sure the water monitor is going to get a little bit bigger but Here's that wrench in the road. Again, not all water monitors are going to get that big too, right? There's like speckled water monitors and coming eye that don't get that big. And um, I heard that also the, man, bava line and stuff like that, the, the, the those localities basically top out at about five-ish feet, you know? not the mm-hmm. six, seven foot, eight foot monsters that you would see in Sri Lanka or something like that. And <laughs> those are another type of water monitor, you know? Right. So there's one of those things. It's just, um, yeah, I man, you're going to have to really do more research. And there's just so many, uh, it just doesn't apply to every single monitor, you know?
0: Um, or one yeah. that you, you pointed out, Kai, is um, just in this conversation, you're right. Dwarf monitor eggs, in my experience, act a little different than now the sand monitor eggs something bigger. Um, I see the dwarf monitor eggs right before they hatch. In my experience, they usually mm. dent a little bit. They turn a little bit more of a yellow or brown color. Um, and they feel a little bit different. And then they hatch. But I don't start freaking out anymore. Within that last kind of fifth, two weeks, I would say, they. I see them start to dent. I don't, I I used to freak out. But now that I've seen it enough times, it hasn't caused any issues. All the babies hatch, even though the egg turns a different color and starts to dent. I didn't see that with the sand monitors at all. It was just an egg. And then all of a sudden, there's slits in it and a baby head's popping out, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, sometimes it's not as – it's okay, the whole – right? Uh, just to describe it for the new keepers or the new possible breeders, it's the egg – Typically fully formed. It looks just like normal, right? And then it starts to do things like sweat and dent and all this other stuff, right? And these are normal tails that people will tell you, even myself, this is normal. Right. Uh, sometimes it's not at all. These eggs are going to just swell up and poop pops out a little baby. No, 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 <laughs> right? right. no. Right. No at all. And, uh, man, did your sad floggies also take uh, 267 days?
0: Oh, OK. <laughs> we'll, we'll, touch, we'll touch on that here. Um, to be fair, I've been talking a little trash to uh, to Alex over there at Sim Container, and uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, we love you guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, mine hatched at like 180 days. Okay, oh. so um, mine were laid after his. I had the first clutch that were infertile, and this was my my second clutch, and <laughs> um, and so in between there he had a clutch laid. So of course natural progression his are going to hatch first so i'm kind of bouncing it off of him because it's my first time with sand monitors you know he's like oh yeah mine are like 210 days and i'm like okay okay mine look good you know i could kind of see the 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 baby forming in there and so yeah about 180 days mine start hatching and now i'm I'm messaging him like hey what are yours doing just because i'm trying to gain information and knowledge to bounce this off of people and since he's incubating them uh, or has been incubating them this whole time, the same time I've been incubating them, you know, um, he's like, Nope, nothing yet. Nope. Nothing. Yeah. So 267 days. That's, That's a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> That's almost 90 days difference, you know, uh, in between. And they're the, the same animals. Um, so <laughs> there's that too, you know, they can throw you a wrench. I don't know if his, his, um, I think I I have mindset at eighty six. I think he might have his set at eighty five, maybe eighty four. Right. So maybe that has something to do with it, um, or maybe they're a little cooler wherever they're positioned in the uh, incubator themselves. All these things. But again, if I were to tell you uh, somebody that bought some babies and I were to say babies hatched at one hundred and eighty days, you know, and then it's yours mean. are. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time breeding, and you're up to day 260, or probably around day 200. You're like, they didn't hatch in 180 days. You're sitting there with a knife or a, a, some scissors, like I gotta cut them open. <laughs> and stressing. yeah, you're stressing, and you can possibly, you know, if the egg looks good, the veins are good, everything looks good. Just wait, just be patient. Yeah. The babies where micromanaging rico- managing can be very bad, right?
1: So, you know, if you're peeping it at every five minutes and you're opening it and you're checking the egg, it, it loses all this moisture that it could be retaining and it do what it needs to do. Right? Right. Um, bothering it and disrupting it. I mean, a little bit of movement is fine, but you can also disrupt it. So. Right. Um. Now. a uh, rule, rule of thumb here for. For the monitor, uh, for the monitor beginners that are gonna be wanting to breed, we don't cut eggs. Um, yeah. It's the way the veins are. It's just the way the eggs are built. Um, you just don't cut it now. Okay. If they're dead, sure. We're, we're cutting the egg to find out what happened. That's just part of science. But right. And if the egg still looks alive, it still looks like it's going, it looks like it's fine. It's not indenting. It's not doing nasty sweating. It's not any of that. And even if they were doing that, leave it alone just leave them alone some like you right. like said if someone were to be stressing over it being 180 days but really the your incubator is off by a couple of degrees and now it's going to be incubating a lot more longer by a couple of months you just stay patient right uh, I'm, I'm a nail biter myself i mean and i'm also super high anxious and and all that stuff like that where i'm looking at my incubator all the time but i try not to be going in there being ev- invasive and 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 messing things messing up the current flow you know Mm -hmm. again micromanaging can be very bad at this at at this point so you don't want to be doing that um you know and now if the animal has slit and now the egg has been penetrated air has been flowing through you can from that angle point your scissors upwards and cut along that slit because now it's been oxygen has been able to flow through Right. And so you know, there's a uh, less chance of cutting something important and or blood vessels that may run through the thing. Currently, you want to hold off. So but Absolutely. if it it's go ahead and tear, I, I give it a little tear and then I cut. I only cut what I lift from the egg. Right. So I'm not I'm not cutting into the egg. The scissors are not diving into the egg at all. It's at a upwards angle slicing and I then tear it as much as I can you know, take my little picture for the for the gram a little bit and then put <laughs> it back, you know. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So um, you can manipulate a little bit that way. It is so, somewhat safe. Um, but again, you're going to be very, very still, kind of just lift up, do your little, you, you basically got to use force, but with just in, in a tiny couple inches of, of what you're doing. So you're like, you know, trying to, I don't know, tightly fit a little puzzle piece together you know or, or more so <laughs> it apart and try not to disturb the baby right um i don't want you to d- do that too much even though you can i'm really breaking down what you kind of can and can't do but you know if it's just spurts out and the egg is still not fully developed um in a way it's not really too bad a lot of times i see them pick up from that even if they didn't digest it but that yolk gives them the umph for not eating a couple weeks as they're mm-hmm. being
0: you know, let them soak up as much as they can.
1: Yeah. And so leave them alone. Let them do their pip. You know, try not to harass them too much. Let them soak up for a good day. And everybody's thing afterwards is all different. Mm-hmm. Some people put them right into the enclosure, fully decked out, all that. You know, for me, I take them out, I set them on dry paper towel, and I basically get that umbilicus area to dry up. So when I do put them in their enclosure, it doesn't get infected. Because most of the enclosures are kind of humid, and I basically want to limit that possibility at all. You know Um, what I've
0: done recently, Um, just to touch on that, is I've been taking – so in the sim containers, obviously one hatches, then it's out and running around the sim container. As soon as I see one starting to hatch, um, unless they're all slid at the same time and I'm seeing faces, then I don't worry about it. Uh, But in some cases, dwarf monitors and now the sand monitors, I've had an egg hatch like 20 days later than the rest of the clutch or a week later or whatever, I'll take the eggs that I know that are going to hatch. If I'm afraid of them turning an egg or doing something crazy, um, I'll take those out and I'll put them in another container inside the incubator. And then I'll come back three to five days later sometimes. And, and then I will pull them out. And for the most part, what I've noticed is that any remaining umbilicus that was on there has fallen off. Um, And they've just been in the incubator. And then when I I throw them in the cage, they go, what has been happening? They go, (laughs) right. right to basking you know yeah. there's there and then uh give them an hour or so of that and dump the crickets in and the chase is on man and it's just boom 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 yeah.
1: uh, for, for me um imprinting is uh immediate right as that first tongue flicks so i'm putting my finger there letting them get a feel mangoes are a little jerks though even if they're, <laughs> capital, they're uh they're basically pretty uh they're irritated all the time yeah and, um, And so, you know, they're kind of spurring around, running and stuff, probably even biting already. So, you know, I kind of uh, really get them imprinted on me, get them used to me as possible. My setup for babies is is bare. It starts off as paper towels, some cork tubes, some cork flats, and a little water dish. Mm -hmm. I do, um, you know, this is a kind of an argument, but uh, I keep babies roughly the same temperature as I, as I keep adults um well for babies they're okay with 115 120 surface temperature though they're they're okay with that for a breeding adult might need a little bit more but as you see i'm not strickening them from having um a hotter surface temperature where they're going to need it so you know some people say oh, keep them cooler because they're little babies uh, in a way you don't want to cook them but they can still handle small still within the small scale for what the lizard needs the same you know um and it's the same thing that adults would basically need is uh, warm area cool area hotter basking area the rest of the cage is relatively like 80s or so like that um the the, the cool side is dry and um that's how i kind of have them set up you know it's it's more bare and then maybe after a month or so, I'll throw in some bedding and it'd be very shallow, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so at this time I'm tong feeding, I try not to grab them and like pester them. Cause then they're going to learn that I'm, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a jerk. So I'm, I just tong feed, just put food in there. And what I'll do is not feed them for a few days. They'll get really hungry and they'll come to me. And so then this will be a normal recurrence. This is what I'm doing with babies outside of now just hatching. Um, you know, you're the pro. See now the process from, um, breed like actual breeding, getting them to to lay, and then incubating, and then hatching them. Right? Those are like especially the last two parts that I just mentioned were kind of hard. You know, So not all of them mm-hmm. not able to achieve that. But then when you get to babies, even though it's a very glorifying part, that can also be very, difficult, you know, um, babies are are babies can be jerks to each other too, though. <laughs> limbs and tails if they eat all crazy or they'll be yeah. dominant just, just to be dominant over a spot learning what to do um some take it too far and some are more casual um they're just you know a little nip here and there but you want to really kind of get an idea of what you're doing with with the amount of babies you have um, just realize that they're all little carniv- carnivorous um, little gremlins you know and and uh, you're gonna you're gonna want to focus on getting them to eat properly shed their toes tails without because when their toes and tails are very small they're like the tips are like pencil lead pencil thin oh gosh yeah it gets dry um and brittle that'll just basically break off with the with the quick whip or something like that you know and then you end up missing a piece of the tail or same thing with the toes um where it's kimberly's or peach throw monitors or things with very thin very fragile toes as babies right Um, you can basically lose them if it's kept Mm -hmm. too dry or they get bumblefoot and you can also lose it then too. Um, So it's a balance between both. I do not keep babies as humid as I do adult enclosures. I let it evaporate and spray it again and then evaporate and spray
0: it again. If I need to,
1: Um,
0: I do the same thing. It's not dense at all. Yeah. I, I think it's actually to, I think I think a lot of times we're keeping things too humid, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I think that leads to its own problems, including yeah. losing toes and tail tips too, when they're too humid. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah I, I it's keep them like, it's yeah. like let's say when you're doing studying, right. And you're studying Indonesia for one. And, you know, they're going to tell you on the internet that um, it's always humid there. Right and or it's uh it's always stays consistent because it's by the equator something like that right mm-hmm. well for me and my enclosures to achieve the right options for them they go as low as 30 degrees, 30 humidity and then as high as 100 with within the soil you know things like that and when it's really really dense and i spray it maybe once a week or something to bring the thing back up then fine. but mm-hmm. for the most part it gets to drop down and it'll actually come to a low where I have to spray it again. Now, even if my enclosure, the ambient humidity within the enclosure is relatively dry, like 40, 50, maybe 55, 60%, the soil that it gets to escape into or dig into is 80 plus. Right. It can sit in it. It can sit in the moist soil. That's the option you want. Um, I was actually talking to a, a uh, current um, keeper today, where she had a uh, uh, Vranus melanus, right? And these are favored by a lot of people. And um, basically, she had the same thing that I just explained, where she did her research trying to keep humidity at 85, 100% because she thinks that it's just so dense where they're from. And it can be, yes, because it's just such a vast volume in large space for us little people. But within the enclosure, you actually have to achieve very many different parts of humidity you know right um and that's right around the lamps are going to be a certain percentage which is low because the lamps are naturally drying it out and then maybe your your cooler side is going to be a little bit more humid or when the lamps are off and then kind of the humidity gets to flourish a little bit it'll be a little bit more humid you know but Mm -hmm. your balance between somewhat dry and somewhat humid is your key as long as you can stick with those or providing the animal.
0: You know, it's much easier to provide a humid area in the cage by use of a nest box or something rather than to dry, provide uh, kind of vice versa. You flipped it, a humid cage with a dry area. So, yeah. um, and, you know, a lot of the, I can't speak for the Indonesian stuff to the same degree, but a lot of the Australian stuff, it's very dry there sometimes, but then they can escape into their their areas in the ground. And so you're just right. providing... The, in, the take on it I do is I am just providing them that retreat, um, for the same purposes and yeah. they utilize it just fine. So I fine operating in the maybe 20% humidity for some things. I don't freak mm-hmm. out because I know that nest box is over there. They can go in there and then I will, um, supplement with spraying. That's how I, my own husbandry, for my purposes, that's how I keep up with everything. And it works great for me, you know? Um, Some people keep a constant humidity and it works fine for them. So experiment for you. And um, I wish there was a recipe that worked for everybody, Mm -hmm. but if you like go through this process that we've been talking about eggs incubators, and you're able to have babies, you start right back at square one with those babies. Okay. For your environment, take some cues from how you keep the adults, but for your environment, You'll have to know how these little fragile toes and tail tips do work. Yeah. yeah. And you'll have to address any issues that pop up for your location in this world and uh, the kind of humidity and, and temperatures you have access to. So that's yeah. just a reality and, you know, play around with it. Always yeah. ask questions. Just don't take one answer as uh, the only answer. So, <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah. Don't try not to, you know, I mean, what, what, what I meant earlier, you know, is, I mean, you're going to get a lot of information kind of maybe across the board or some things that will stick, but they may not work for you. Keep that in the back of your mind though, that that is an option. If you, if one day you need you needed to use it again and it applied for you. Um, Like uh, let's say a uh, wire cage in California, you too dry but a wire cage in Alabama or a wire cage in Louisiana or Florida probably get away with not, not a problem at all. It's just so humid. And, um, you know, it's for me, it won't apply here, so I can't use it. But if that situation came where I moved to Texas or Florida or wherever, I'll be using much more ventilated cages just because the humidity is so much more dense.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Man, I want to keep some stuff outside. I really do. I know
1: oh, it's just so hot. <laughs> I actually, I actually got rid of everything that was outside. <laughs> I yeah. just rehoused it all, and I was like, you know what? I can't have all these things out when it's 100 degrees. I can't move them in right now because I'm doing so much, and so I'm just gonna right. find the, all the tortoises and stuff like that better homes. And um, yeah, I just finished brewing, bro, and uh. uh now I have to clear it all out to make room for the grasshopper house. So.
0: Nice, uh, I like hearing yeah. that.
1: That's a secret. Don't tell nobody. Okay.
0: <laughs> we'll have a little buffer before this episode comes out, so you know you'll be set up by the time that that is. I hope but, uh, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this was
1: uh, this has been a great episode. I think we'd ever able to cover cover up quite a bit for um, the people coming into breeding and having possible issues, yeah. things like that. what to – run across um but yeah anybody starting your very first thing to do if even before you get eggs i mean if and and if that's your plan you plan on breeding get yourself an incubator you
0: know you'll test it out
1: go through some some errand trials go through it
0: yeah definitely know your incubator um uh, i guess we're going to create a list of things like recommendations for people start your roach colony (laughs) (laughs) uh <laughs> hit for some grasshoppers yeah and uh and then uh get that incubator going this is all prior to getting the monitor so
1: yeah. uh because <laughs> it can happen so fast like let's right. say if you're endorsed, right this is the time frame if you were lucky and basically things worked out and he was he was ready she was receptive and they hooked up immediately as as soon as you pop the mail in right and let's say you got him recently so your time frame for breeding and eggs can be anywhere from 15 to 30 days. Mm-hmm. And so man, you can already have eggs would be, would 15 to 30 days be enough time for you to grab an incubator, go through all the seasons with it and test it out and all that stuff like that. Not at all. Nope. Yep. So you think about how fast you can get eggs would be, you need to work that much faster to have your incubator ready and yep. uh, getting it ready is one thing. Having the parameters you think already is 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 one thing. Having eggs in there is a is a whole other heartbreaking
0: story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We hope you guys can look back on it, listen back on this even a couple times. You know, um, and just to be fair, we're talking about our experiences and we're talking about what's worked for us like seventy five percent of the time as the normal. But yeah. me and Kai are are still talking to each other all the time or other people like. Um, like Alex, I, I talked to Alex over at Sim Container. I know Kai, you've talked to both Alex and John. Just hey, what's going on here? What's what's doing the, you know, it's things yeah. I haven't thought about before yeah. that they they might There's bring up.
1: Guys that are like wells of information out there. Like yeah. Like Jeff Easter. He's yeah. a solid dude. He's basically gone through the motions a lot himself. Um, mm-hmm. Been in the hobby for quite some years, doing quite a few different species of monitor lizards. So, um, you know, one of the he's he's a great wealth of information. Uh, me and Jim uh, pass information regularly across the board as well, because he's now getting into Kimberly's when he was yeah. doing just the uh, Argus before. So, you know, um, now it's like a lot of people are all being able to share regular things, and even if we're not exactly able to pinpoint it for you someone may have information that you can possibly take and apply. Right. So, um, you know, those two guys are just a a very short list of a very long list of guys that can possibly help you. Right. Um, There are very many, many friendly guys. As long as you are also willing to be, I would say, transparent with how you're messing up, you Mm know, people are very scared to admit that shoot, I, I'm killing these lizards or I thought I would be able to do this, but I'm actually not, so help yeah. me. You know, help me. And, uh,
0: Another thing to throw out there for you guys, well, you know, I'll touch on that real quick. I, I know a guy, he's got a bunch of black dragon eggs right now, a couple different clutches, I think. Um, he's using um, the cocoa chips, basically, uh, that are soaked and then the like polyfill that you would fill a blanket or a pillow with yeah. stuffed animals that layer that because it's a uh, hydrophobic. Okay. So it doesn't soak up water. Um, water doesn't remain in it. So the eggs are then on top of this material that actually doesn't soak up water. So there's not going to be water touching the eggs, but the, the moist uh, cocoa chips <laughs> or blocks, or whatever they are um, are underneath that so there is still the exchange of uh moisture there's evaporation happening there's um everything that needs to happen and he trusts this system he's hatching out um you know <clears throat> blackheads are black i'm talking black-headed pythons are um kind of known as being hard to hatch out he's hatching those out um so he's having some good luck with it i'm sure there, even in his experience there's still um room for, for knowledge, um, getting better at things with different species. But just to show you, there's a number of different things. I think I watched a video where Nerd was actually putting eggs on top of a substrate and then floating that in water, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. hey, no one's complaining about it. No <laughs> they're mm. hatching out stuff, okay? Right. So uh, so there's and a so lot there's
1: of – There's many ways to do – many ways to scan a cat
0: again, you know. Yeah.
1: There's not just one way – um, so you take a look at how people are doing, maybe give them a quick question, quick question on on why they chose to use that, that right. certain thing, you know, and, and let's say if, uh, him being afraid of too much moisture around the last leg of incubating and coming out of the egg, you know, that, that, that whole suspension on, on that, um, that poly, whatever, um, that cushion, right. Um, so yeah. Uh, it basically, Alleviates the egg from all that moisture that would normally be trapped at the bottom on anything else. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I oh mean, man, it's, my, it's my mind's going a little, I'm nerding out because um, another part of my interest in, in life and stuff has been uh, backpacking and, and hunting outdoor gear for a long time. So, what does this have to do with reptiles? Uh, <laughs> there's different um, materials out there. Like, uh, I'll just use Gore-Tex. It's a well-known one that um, the whole idea behind Gore-Tex is that it's waterproof on the outside, but allows vapor to exit from the inside, right? That's how people stay dry because you can't just have a shell on where you're hiking and you're soaked underneath. You need to be able to get that uh, moisture off your body, okay, Um, and stay dry, uh, even though you're trying to protect yourself in like a downpour outside. I only bring that up because my mind's going with like, can you make a lid <laughs> out of a material that isn't just plastic, like what we are using, but that somehow allows.
1: Breathing and gas and air to exchange.
0: Right. At a known, um, at a known rate. And
1: so, so that, uh, that pro not, 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 to you know, um, go against anything that you're saying about the thing that you're using, um, But, uh, Dave Kirshner, happy birthday, by the way, Dave, um, he uses glad wrap and and that allows air and gas exchange
0: naturally. You know, I've seen that. I I have seen that now. And so,
1: um, yeah, that's what he uses. He uses a a Tupperware container and not just the thin ones, but the fairly decent thick ones. Right. Yeah. You've seen the circular ones that have the latch, right. And, um, I think there's a couple holes at the top, and him and Kenneth Jensen just use that glad wrap over the thing where you're just touching it and it seals itself and you put the lid on. And that now allows natural gases to flow through without having too much moisture leave. See,
0: that's um, awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah so i haven't used it yet though i i, I want to get the right one and i don't want to just use saran wrap i don't think that's the same thing yeah so I, think, I think glad wrap and saran wrap are two different things that might look the same so i don't i, I don't know i haven't used it yet but maybe coming down the line i may um mm-hmm.
0: yeah interesting so stuff
1: quite a few different things right now that um i i want to be incubating with as far as different materials you know i've used Perlite, Vermiculite, and the surface stuff, but I want to also look at different containers. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm currently just, now my thing is full, so I can't just test stuff too much, but I think the next clutch or two, I want to put them in a different type of container and see how that works. um, Right. Just because I need to, you know. Um, Well, yeah. then testing stuff out.
0: That brings up, um, I'm fortunate that I have space right now, but there could be a time, (laughs) it's going to sound like I'm puffing myself up. Sorry, everybody. That's not what I mean to do. Just hear me (laughs) out. Um, There could be a time maybe next year where um, the sim containers might be too tall. I might either have to add more shelves inside of the incubator, but um, I think the way the top works and the way I have the holes in the top, I don't want to put another sim container on top of a sim container okay because i want it to be able to breathe but there's a lot of room in between there where if i found a method that worked differently i mean ideally and it had side ventilation i could do it where i could stack multiple containers up in the same amount of space and utilize the space within a little better so um yeah there's some Future of playing around with some different ideas, and we'll let you guys know. We'll share what's going on, what's new. Um, but yeah, we're getting we're about the hour and 40 mark, so yeah, just about ready for uh, it's,
1: a, it's about conclusion because we covered it quite a bit. And if there was anything that anybody happened to miss, um, let us know. If mm-hmm. you uh, wanted to see us, we can add more in a different podcast or answer a certain question for you. Uh, please feel free to message us. Uh, I'm available on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my Facebook is just Kai Fan K H A I P H A N, and my Instagram is uh, Big Underscore Lizard One O Three, and my YouTube is Mangrove Mecca. It's a Mangrove and Mecca M C C A, and you'd be able to find uh, find me just about anywhere. I'm pretty pretty easy to find. And uh, Alan, what about you? Where can they find you at?
0: I'm on, uh, on Instagram. It's origins underscore reptile. And then on Facebook, you can find me at just origins reptile. Um, go ahead. You can, you can, I think I have my email and even my phone number linked on some of those. So, um, find me on those. Uh, don't find me by my name. I probably (laughs) won't get back to you. That's no offense. It's just a, a you know just the way that things work yeah. in my head. We just so. decide to
1: keep uh personal stuff and business kind of a little separate. I mean, yeah, it's it's still good that you're doing that. I've actually merged the two, and so
0: I have no separation now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, oh, before we go, like by the time this comes out, we'll see how things are. But um, the there was a timor egg that i got it was a little questionable but it still looks good but then more interesting is the i have one uh egg from a girl i produced and it's a parthenogenic egg there she's never been so the two animals i decided to hold back from this clutch ended up both being female now one laid the week prior They're, they've both been kept together one leg the week prior a clutch of infertile eggs uh, then the next girl she was also cycling uh, she weighed late a week later and one of those eggs is forming veins everything else was bad so um they yeah it's kind of interesting we'll see how it goes i don't know if there's been too many um reports of this happening with ackies. uh i don't know but i can tell you it's happening right now so um it wasn't a mistake they've basically they grew up in the house first once they were laid they were holdbacks they grew up in the house they went straight over to the warehouse uh when they were about eight months old nine months old they've been at the warehouse for i don't know a little while now together and yeah so it's it's they've never been around other animals um we'll see how it goes
1: yeah yeah. it's uh quite a quite a common thing now um you Know where more people are recognizing it, not throwing eggs away and incubating them. Parthenogenesis within mon mangrove or not, not just mangrove but uh, monitor lizards is uh have been more and more prolific mm-hmm. as times come. Um, for example, uh, Tom Crutchfield hatched out a parthenogenic uh crop monitor, really dope that one <laughs> for uh for the it world, it's a nice looking baby, it's awesome, for, yeah, for the world, for science, for mangrove or sorry i keep on saying mangrove but for monitor keeping it in america man, that's uh big news you know um Mm -hmm. the croc monitors themselves haven't gotten uh to be really cracked yet as far as people regularly hatching them out i think it's uh more randomly here and there people get eggs and not really going the distance and so having them go the distance is very 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 difficult um i think many people can get eggs it's, that's not the hard part it's just the other part is hatching them um so yeah congrats to the crutchfield family over there for uh, for that success um and yeah all right, all right. man yeah.
0: yeah again thank you to um the morelia Thanks, python man. radio network um eric owen you guys uh started all this so uh, we thank you for you know the work you put in front of us and the work you've done to uh, kind of get the hobby here on these different platforms and then and then bringing on uh, different people, taking a chance with us too um, so we can bring some good information, hopefully good information. Um, if if we're not, guys, hit us up. Let us know. Everything yeah. has been kind of positive. So, you know, uh, <laughs> we're open to criticism. We're not against it, but we're, we're glad yeah, just, you guys are enjoying just hit it. hit
1: Alan with all the negative stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I won't kidding.
0: respond. Delete. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, check Thank out uh, their their website Marley python Radio, uh, dot com. uh check out the patreon their store there check out their other podcasts and also uh, as always um, get on to us and support them if you're not already they protect our ability to keep these animals that we love so much so all right guys we'll talk to you soon